Welcome to Radio TFS episode number 34. Hi, I'm Martin Woodward. And I'm Greg Duncan. Well, we haven't got uh, Mickey and Paul with us today, unfortunately. Uh, Paul's having some back trouble, so best of wishes to Paul. Hope you get well soon and hope you get well in time for Santa coming down the chimney. You don't want to be able to yeah. play with those presents. <laughs> so, uh, but we'll just, ju- we'll just jump straight into the show. So, uh, Greg, what have, you, uh, what have you seen interesting in the news this week? Well, one of the first things that I noticed was uh, uh, from one of our other co-hosts, Mickey Cusset, who couldn't join us today, is uh, published an article on a Visual Studio magazine. And that is tiny URL TFS11, as in Tom Frank Sierra 11, Team Explorer. And in that article, he talks about uh, the cool stuff coming in Team Foundation Server 11. Funny that. And he focuses on Team Explorer. Uh, from the, the the new home page, the new home tab uh, area that you get, uh, to um, you know the work items page, and uh, to build, and then he ends up the article with something that I actually liked more than anything is that he talks about the extensibility points that that are is coming in the Team Explorer 11, and you know I think you know. The, the way that stuff comes from Microsoft, yeah, okay, that's cool. But, you know, if, if you can't extend it, you're locked in. And, and every time when I see the extensibility that comes into Team Explorer, uh, you know, or any other product, it just, you know, sparks the ideas. It's like, okay, that's a great first start, but, you know, what, you know, it doesn't do it exactly for me. And, you know, developers, we're a pretty demanding bunch. And if it's not like the way we want it, then, you know, we want to do it our way and having that extensibility baked in and supported you know a lot of the times you can extend this stuff people uh, spelunk the the registry and all these things and they you know il spy and they figure out oh i could do it this way but the fact that it's going to be baked in and supported i, I think was the coolest part of the whole article it's actually done um, in MEF as well, you know, managed extensibility framework, the extensibility mm-hmm. for that. So today you can extend Team Explorer, you know, in Visual Studio uh, 2010 all the way down to 2005. Well, that mm-hmm. was done using a standard, you know, VSIP plugin kind of into Visual Studio, which involves right. you writing a bit of um, managed code and doing a bit of com interop and, and then bridging over into C sharp. And oh, it's just, it's just <laughs> hard. I, 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 and I've hardly seen any. The, about the best um, Team Explorer integration I've seen with Visual Studio 2010. I think we talked about it last week, did we, on the show? Um, maybe we didn't. Uh, the uh, build folders, you know how um, one of the... Yeah. Says, um, well, you talked about that on uh, uh, this week on Channel Nine. I think. Oh, there we go. There we go. You see, yeah, it's on one of our <laughs> other shows. <laughs> yeah, really. So yeah, no, the um, the build folder um, extensibility in Team Explorer to 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 give that feature was uh, was about the best extensibility of Team Explorer I've actually seen. I, I've always been surprised that more uh, partners haven't extended Team Explorer, you know, and put their own thing. I was imagining. Um, it, you know, you could see like we have the Team Foundation build thing in there, but it'd be really cool mm-hmm. to see, say, CruiseControl.net as a as a node, you know, in Team Explorer. If if people are doing Cruise Control with TFS rather than Team Build or something like that, so no, it's yeah. all the new ones all managed extensibility framework um, extensible in Visual Studio, and some uh, stuff which Mickey didn't know in this post, but I guess <laughs> I'm allowed to tell you is. Um, We've we've got it in Eclipse as well, obviously. So there's a Team Explorer uh, in Eclipse now, mm-hmm. um, and that's um, that's all extended. Obviously, the one in Eclipse is done in Java, and it's all extended using standard um, Eclipse uh, right. plugin extension points sort of thing. So, have you had a chance to play with the um, 
the Visual Studio 11 developer preview? Did you have you, have you played with this page at all yet? Minimally, you know, okay. I, it, when, it, when it came out, you know, I, I've got a, a PDC Acer, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I put Windows 8 with the tools on there, but put it in a VM, and you know, while I could get the touch and stuff to work, it, the performance was kind of lagging. Yeah, so. through the VM, it's not great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, it was kind of waiting for an upgrade. Uh, uh, Santa brought me a, a new Alienware notebook. So I saw now, tweets about that. How is how is <laughs> the new uh, the new laptop? I, I'm loving it. You know, I, I unfortunately, you know, I don't buy hardware for myself much. I buy it for family and and and, and uh, you know friends and stuff, but I'm very cheap when it comes to myself. So this is the first piece of hardware I've bought myself for for years, and uh, uh, it, it's night and day better. Uh, so the, I, I keep eyeing. I'm looking at the Acer right now, and I'm thinking, you know, you're going to get Windows 8 here pretty darn soon. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm interested in, uh, I'm interested in hearing the feedback, you know, from people as to how they're finding the Team Explorer experience. It is a big change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm enjoying it. The, the biggest change to me was around, uh, the pending changes and having pending changes vertically. And also, mm-hmm. um, the pending changes currently you can't have up at the same time as, say, Solution Explorer. Which um I don't know I don't, I'm not sure what I think about yet. So um, anyway right. I'm 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 grateful I'll be grateful to hear what people think about about the new Team Explorer and Mickey's uh, post is a great introduction to it. Right. So um we talked a bit about last week um the the Team Foundation service was getting updated as we as we were recording um right. that's been rolled out now. So have you had a chance to play with the new? Again, no, sure, uh, sure haven't. Oh well, it's uh, it's it's good. So I encourage everybody to go to uh, tfspreview.com, and if they haven't got an account, then the best news is that um, Brian Harry has also blogged a new preview code. And last time I checked, there were still some uh, still some you know validations left on this pre this um, invitation code to be able to get oh. in and, and, and get on it. So uh, yeah, get on there quick. If you go to tinyurl.com slash DEC, so DEC, uh, Delta Echo Charlie, 2011 TFS preview code. And you can, uh, or just go to Brian Harry's blog. You can just type Brian Harry into your favorite search engine and uh, you'll get to it pretty quick. And um, yeah, get the preview code if you haven't already uh, got onto TFS preview. Get in, get in, enter the code and sign up and let us know what you think. It's, um, the yeah, it's pretty. It looks pretty good. Previously, there was a lot of confusion around, say, um, navigation between admin mm-hmm. mode and 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 um, the, the normal, you know, normal usage. And that's right. I think that's been fixed. So it seems, seems a lot better now. And then I use this. I use the website every day. We have our. Um, that's where we actually store the source code for Team Explorer everywhere, and where we do all our sprint <laughs> planning and things. So um, yeah, I'm I'm loving it. I I you know I can't even the the when sprint planning when we so we do three week sprints in our team, and uh, when it's sprint planning day, you know on the first day of a new sprint. Um, previously, I used to have to get in in the morning, and because I start, I'm based in the UK, and the rest of my team are all based in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I used to come in in the morning before, you know, on new sprint day and get everything set up, get all the queries moved over to the new sprint, get all the Excel workbooks set up ready right. um, to do all the sprint planning and things because we used to use those. And now 
I don't even touch it. I just look, see where we got up to in the last sprint, and then uh, it's all. It just is all configured for me as soon as I come. It's fantastic. <laughs> nice. So now I'm really loving it. So uh, yeah. That's so are you guys using the actual public TFS preview build, or is it a in-house private build of it, or? Uh, in so my team, the Team Explorer right. team, are actually using the uh, t- the public TFSpreview.com site. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're strong believers in dog feeding, so uh, <laughs> so we, we use that. Um, we the rest of you know like the Team Foundation server team, mm-hmm. um, they are using uh, an on-premise instance. So we're dog mm-hmm. feeding both um, the the hosted the Azure s- service. And right. the on-premise installation, you know, it's, it's the same code base, but obviously, you know, it works a little bit differently in the different modes. So they're all using the on-premise version, um, mm-hmm. and they the TFS preview build and the the we call it Pioneer, the Pioneer server that we're all on. Um, they're they're within a few days of each other typically. You know, Pioneer gets upgraded, um, and then about three or four days later, uh, the TFS preview site gets upgraded. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. Occasionally, we'll roll out an update to TFS preview, you know, if it's just Azure-related. There's uh-huh. um, always a perf issue we see on one and not the other environment due to the... Right. It's completely different usage models, interestingly, um, between, you know, between the web and uh, on-premise. There's right. a lot more... Because we obviously use our server very, very heavily, you know, internally. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more concurrent usage in our on-premise dog fooding server than our than the cloud one. For for the compared to the number of you know compared the total number of users on the service versus the number of those that are active in any one minute, uh, right? It, it's a lot higher internally. So it, it's just interesting seeing the different performance challenges you get um, in running the cloud service versus running on-premise and different optimizations you actually make uh, for cloud versus on-premise right. as well. It, it's, 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 really, it's been a really good learning experience. Um, but it's also hopefully been a good way for us to get the latest version of Team Foundation Server in everybody's hands and get right. you know and we're getting some great feedback from people that we just wouldn't mm-hmm. have got until like beta when people could actually install this thing in production right. so um no it, it's been really successful for us i think are you guys going to like write up a, a white paper on you know on your dog fooding experience of the tfs preview that's an interesting question i hadn't thought about doing that but maybe i should would it be would it be interesting I, I think so. You know, oh. from 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 my seat, just seeing that a that you guys dog fooded it, and how much you dog fooded it, and you know, because right now for, on the outside, you know, it's always kind of scary when Microsoft rolls something new. Yeah, you know how the feel is. Is that you know we're not really sure you know how real is it, and that's why you know the whole V three thing. A lot of that comes about because we we're not sure how invested. You know, we're going to be in it, and, and there's mm. been times when, you know, we've jumped to the latest and greatest only to find out that that's the last version of the latest and greatest. So, yeah, uh, the fact that a you guys are using it and using it for real, not yeah. some tailspin project or, or or something like that, but you know, y- you are really using it, and you're using it on a three-week sprint, and, and you're using it, you know, uh, 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 distributed and. That kind of thing. I think that would be great, and especially if it was a, a technical, you know, white paper from a development team to other development teams. I don't want to see a a marketing sales Market brochure. Diagram. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now see that enough, you know. I, you know, I want to hear somebody who's really using it, and here's the things that we liked, and here's the things that you know we improved over time, and. 
Maybe that's, that, that would maybe be that's awesome. a topic for a show someday as well. <laughs> yeah, really, huh? Oh, yeah, that's a good 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 idea. So any anything else in the news that caught your eye, Greg? Uh the NuGet release, NuGet uh, uh V16 was oh, released. Yeah. yeah, of course. And um you know, uh, NuGet, you, you and I were talking pre-show, and that you know, I, my personal feeling is is NuGet is transformational. It, it is just one of those technologies that it's when you look at it in hindsight, it's like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? <laughs> and, and once you start using it, you never want to use anything else. You, you can't when you go back to, and, and you know, for everybody who doesn't know NuGet, and I hope all of our listeners know what NuGet is, but um, if you don't, it's it's a way of uh, distributing software packages, you know, uh, shareware packages, uh, uh, Microsoft packages. It's a way of sharing, in many cases, just the binaries. But it also handles the uh, relationships between other packages. Uh, so if you have one package that relies on another package, which relies on another package, and you want to add that to salute your solution, you right-mouse click, do package manager, you get the one that you want, and it handles all of those other relationships for you. That magic, you know, I, I do a lot of, of writing, you know, the Coding for Fun blog and the, the Connect stuff, and, you know, I'm downloading projects all week. And, you know, a lot of the times there's third-party dependencies in there, and, you know, for whatever reason, they're not hooked up. You know, I don't have them installed, or they're not included in the zip file. So, you know, I right-mouse click and, you know, update packages, or I right-mouse click and, um, you know, uh, uh, get that package from NuGet and installs, and I'm done. I'm not searching for the websites and the CodePlex page or the GitHub or the SourceForge place and downloading the binaries and, you know, copying them to place. It just makes that the third-party binary sharing magical, you know. And, and you know, with um, this release, you know, the, the NuGet team has been very aggressive with their rollouts. You know, uh, Martin, do you know of any, is there a, one of my dreams as a, uh, a line of business and outside developer is to see this baked into Visual Studio. Is there any news about that coming in a future Visual Studio? Um, I'm not aware of anything we've announced at this time around that. I know, we, um, we, I mean, we've obviously been uh, talking quite closely with the, the guys um, as to how we should integrate this with Team Foundation server build and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but we're, 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 there's nothing that we're announcing there at the minute. I think I'm just trying to remember. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> but no, we're definitely working closely with them and seeing what we can do. I'm also interested in, um, you know, hearing what the community is after because. So in um, in the Java world, we have something called Maven, which mm-hmm. does which does dependency management um, to a certain extent, but it's a bit different as well because it's kind of like a build service as well. It's you know it's it's um, yeah it it's, it's has similar functionality, but then it has other functionality that's different to NuGet. And one of the patterns I see over in the Maven world quite a lot is um, internal Maven repositories. So you would, you know how you have the framework problem in a company and you mm-hmm. would you would do a build <laughs> and then you want to, like, how do you handle frameworks? Is always, I get this question all the time whenever yeah. it happens. And there's two ways of handling it. You can either handle frameworks as source, depending if it's a small team, or, or you can handle them as binaries and distribute them as binaries and use versioning to your advantage. Now, um, when people are using um, Maven Java projects quite often, they 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 um, treat frameworks, uh, you know, as binaries and distribute them, and then they use their internal repositories um, to to push their 
their new versions of of this library to say the framework library and okay. then in your build script you can configure the build to say hey when i do a build go pull the latest version you can specify at what point in the version string you want to have the version for so you can say go build me with 1.6.3.1234 you know right. or you could or you could say give me 1.6.star because hey major minor it, as long as that <laughs> version number there is the same then right. the rest of it you know it should be it should be there shouldn't be any breaking changes so just give me the latest when i do a build and mm-hmm. you would quite often in development run with say one dot you know one dot six dot star as your the the build you want to pull in and right. then um uh, and then only at say when you're locking down ready to push to QA ready to go to production would you then lock it down to a specific okay we're targeting this version for release you know let's lock to a version and then we'll target that for release so we can we can fully test it and make sure everything is working properly so i'm interested in people interested in that sort of thing i'm also interested in um obviously it'd be great to be able to publish to a new get repository after a build and things like that so (laughs) it's stuff we're looking at but um yeah as i say we haven't i don't think we've announced anything yet right have you seen uh, this isn't on our show notes so i'm kind of throwing this to you but uh, there's a project that i just blogged about called newgetter.codeplex.com that's n-u-g-e-t-t-e-r and it's uh, the actual full project name is tfs new getter there we go no i hadn't seen this one yeah this one is it kind of marries the two and it really is from a in-house developer this is the kind of thing that you know um i would like to see baked into the box. You know, right now you can get it. And right now it's been officially tested with V1.5 um, of NuGet. Uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be updated. I'm looking at the source code tab. And one of the nice things about this, obviously, is CodePlex. Yeah, we get the source of the whole thing too. Love mm-hmm. that. But um, One of the great things this- I like about the NuGet team as well is that the, the guys working on it is doing it completely as a transparent, you know, all the work items for NuGet are out there publicly and it's just all there. So... No, yeah, this that's is interesting. A, this is this is a, this is good. I'm going to have a look at this tonight. Okay, great. And uh, uh, Nougat's actually an o- how do you pronounce it? Otier, it's the old Codeplex.org. Doesn't uh, Microsoft doesn't own Nougat, right? It's actually no. Uh, yeah, it's the oh, what they called the foundation. Uh, I should know this. Outer yeah, Outer Cur, Outer Cur, Outer Curve. Outercurve.org. I thought it was, but yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it is. Outercurve.org. There you go. I should have known that. But I should have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, no, but they, they, it's owned by the Outercurve Foundation, which it makes it um, easy for companies to uh, know that they can take dependencies on this code and contribute to this code. You know, but we're doing it through a, a a neutral third party. So Microsoft doesn't own it. This code, they, we can't just take it away. It's owned by somebody else. But we have Microsoft staffers contributing to it, and people who aren't Microsoft staffers. You know, people who work right. for other companies like GitHub. <laughs> like like GitHub, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Hey, there was um, you know, last week we talked about, or not last week, last show, sorry, we talked about um the uh, MISCI provider, MSSCCI provider, right. There was a great um, uh, post that went in one of your feeds about um, the uh, what was his name now the guy who, who hooked it up with um, Hossam Kamel and 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 uh, he wrote a blog post about how to get the Miski provider configured with Adobe Robo Help. Right. So, 
Have you used RoboHelp at all? I used to have to use this all the time. Not in this life. Uh, you know, yeah. A number of lives ago, I, I used it. But. Yeah, me too. I used to use it to create our help files like what three, four jobs ago. So, mm-hmm. uh, but it's amazing that the um, you know Misky lives as a as a version control API, and it's right. great to see it. You know, it seems to work really well inside of Adobe RoboHelp. So that's good. So if you go to um, tinyurl.com uh, slash Misky M S S C C I Robo Help One, and you can learn all about how to configure Misky with Adobe Robo Help. Great. Anything else in the news that caught your eye? There, there was a little topic I w- I'd like to have a bit of a chat with you about. But is, do you want to okay. pick one more news story from your from your massive feeds? Yeah, really. There, there's one on a training that that uh, you know training free training is near and dear to my heart as an in-house hey, developer. Yeah, exactly. You know, sometimes it's just hard to, to get out. So there is a uh, free training. The tiny URL is tinyurl tfs 2010 web workshops. And uh, some of these are already passed, but I'm sure you'll be able to get them on demand. Or at least I would hope you could get them on demand. But there's uh, workshops coming in February and March. Um, reporting and dashboards with TFS, and in March, automated configuration management with TFS and software configure manage software configuration management and AL. Easy for me to say, isn't it? <laughs> software configuration management and ALM workshops, and uh, you know these are free. Yeah, just register. They're online, and uh, you know it, it's hard to shake a stick at free free training. Cool. That's good stuff. Okay, so hey, I was I was on Stack Overflow hanging out as I do from time to time. <laughs> Somebody asked a question, and it was a bit of a wacky question. It, it was it actually it actually the question had been downvoted and not answered on, which I don't know. I'm not a big fan of. I, if I down if I was going to downvote a question, I would always say you know I would always leave a comment as to why I don't think it's a particularly good question, sort of thing. But this was a bit crazy. The the uh, the guy asking wanted to know how to enforce check-in at a certain period of time like you know every night or every day or how how to make visual studio actually just check in for you or maybe a every even good build kind of thing Mm -hmm. thinking about i was sure i didn't go look it up i seem to remember there is a coplex a coplex project that that to do this in visual studio but anyway i'd probably find it if i dug around but I, i my answer was one of those answers you never want to get on stack overflow which is a I'm not an- actually answering this question. I'm telling you why that doing that's, you know, I don't believe that doing that's the right thing to do. Right. And it, it, it was obviously because, you know, if you just check in randomly, then you get the whole problem you get with um, when updates get applied to Windows and Windows decides to reboot, you know, when you're in the middle of doing something kind of thing. Or it, it, You just never want that. And as a, as a developer, um, you should be trusted to check in, you know, when it is a good time to check in. And right. Instead, we should be um, my 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 sort of what's the word my rather twee kind of you know what Twitter tagline for it was um, influence rather than enforce right um, so but what I thought would be good for a discussion um, I mean in that particular example I was saying you know should influence them introduce continuous integration as a way make it really easy to do a build you know uh, and make it really easy to to get something for checking in, i.e. a nice clean build, and then um, do things like um, have daily stand-ups and in the stand-up bring bring up a view history of 
uh, the code base and use that as a source of discussion as to you know <laughs> as to when people are talking about hey well, this is what I did yesterday you can you're looking at the view history and you can see oh yeah this is what's been done and you know you can quickly see oh wow you know mine's had like five check-ins and you know Greg's had what uh, Greg's had zero you know and Greg's saying what he did yesterday but none of that got checked in then you know what's going on there kind of thing and you uh, you don't get you don't you don't say to the person, hey, you know, you should check in more. It's more they realize themselves, hey, I'm not checking in as much as everybody else. Why is that? Uh, maybe yeah. I should be breaking my tasks down into small tasks. Anyway, that's beside the point. My, the, the thing I thought would be interesting to talk about is um, what's what's acceptable and for what what enforcement, you know, do you have and what do you consider acceptable enforcement and what's, you know, what's bad, that sort of thing? What, what's evil and what's good? Right. Yeah. The teams that I've worked on and teams that I've managed, I I don't like enforcement, um, at least not for check-ins. You know, the question has come up a number of times, you know, how often should we check in? And and personally, my belief is you you never check in anything broken. You know, so if somebody doesn't get, Mm -hmm. it doesn't break their code. And that's a longstanding uh, guideline. But you should check in early and often, as often as you can, because – it, it, it makes me wonder the people that don't check in. First of all, you know why aren't they checking in, and and how come they haven't lost code before? You know, and I, I don't know how much code I have lost because, like you mentioned, you know, the, the machine bounces itself. Uh, you know, something happens and you just lose that code. You know, that happens to me enough. Whereas the check in is a safety net as much as anything else. The reason um, uh, when I'm I've worked with some guys where um, they, they they don't check in. I was I I used to be, and this is an interesting thing to talk about as well. I used to be like an extreme check inner. You know, I would check in mm-hmm. at least sort of four or five times a day, often more often than that. Right. And and um, I was always I'd always try and break my you know I, a particular programming task down into a set of steps, like incremental steps I can make where I'm like. It's the code is not working each time for the minimal amount of time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Occasionally you get a big change, you know, you're doing a big refactoring and you kind of have to just chuck it up and like let it break and, like, right, and, then, right. and then go tidy it up kind of thing. But that's they're, they're very, very, very rare. There's, you know, there's only been a few times I can probably think of the times when I did that in, mm-hmm. in, in, in my it's definitely in Team Explorer everywhere. I can think about the times where I've had to do that, and it, it's very rare. Um, whereas most of the time we break it down. But I've worked with guys where they um, often, you know, they're, they're not doing it in as bigger. Well, there's two two cases when they don't check in frequently. One is they just don't like checking something in until it's until it's done, mm-hmm. uh, and by done they mean that they're happy with it and they would be happy with sharing. You know, having somebody code review it even and, and, and share it and, and, and critique the work. They don't like to check something in that isn't perfect. Another thing I've seen is that people often do struggle with um, breaking a task down into these smaller chunks, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so it is broke for a long period of time before they get to the point where they can check in. So Right. And I don't even necessarily mind, you know, when, when I said it has to work when you check it in, and, you know, I misspoke. It has to compile 
when they check in. Yeah, and not and not be broken in a way that would stop other people working on the bit that they're working on. Correct. Yeah, if you break the build, that's bad. If you, you yeah, know, yeah. your continuous integration is going and you break the build, that that's just bad. And I don't do dunce hands or anything else. But you know, all my projects, I've got continuous integration set up, and you know, th- again, that is another safety net. Developing without a safety net is is, is scary. And you know, if you've got a lot of team members or even just a few team members, but you're doing drastic changes and you check the stuff in, you know, it's good to have that thing build and get immediate feedback. And like you said, one of the things you said I really liked is that. That, you know, give them a reason. If you have somebody who doesn't check in a lot or doesn't check in as much as you're comfortable with, you'd like to encourage them to check in more. The idea of peer pressure, you know, just put that the numbers of check-ins up and also give them a reason why they want to check in. Give them a, you know, a, a plus back. Um, if it's like you said, like the task things, what I would do is, is one of the, the check-in policies that we do have enabled is that, you know, you have to associate every check-in with a work item. Well, if you break your tasks down well enough and you organize your work into that, you know, it kind of makes sense. You know, I'm, I'm checking in this code to this task. Now I'm going to work a little bit on something else. I'm going to check into code and that task. And, and those two um, mechanisms marry up well. So, so yeah. if I look at um, sort of Team Explorer everywhere, you know, my team, take that as mm-hmm. an example. What the things we have enforced are you have to have provide a comment for your check in. That's, mm-hmm. that's enforced. And oh, you'll be glad to know as well that the. Um, we're actually going to put in the box that check-in policy in, in <laughs> Visual Studio 11. So uh, previously that was a power tool, but we're putting that one in the box. So that's good. But um, yeah, so you have to be able to um, you have to be able to, you have to provide a comment, mm-hmm. and then um, you also in our team, oh well, it's a standard in Microsoft actually that you um, you need to uh, pr- you need to code review before you check in. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest change for me when I came to Microsoft in terms of uh, how I work. So previously when I would, where I would be checking in right. um, four or five times a day, I now, I now shelve four or five times a day, oh, okay. um, which I don't like as much because shelving is not versioned. You know, it's a one, it's a one thing. Right. So, um, and then I, I check in, you know, one time a day or, you know, uh, sometimes it's like less than one time a day because we, because we don't check in code until it's been reviewed peer reviewed by somebody that's that's the standard in the company and hmm. I, I have found that reduces the amount of check-ins that happen um and it, and it does it does reduce uh velocity you know it does reduce the speed at which features get developed for the sake of um greater code quality and um greater code security actually you know when, when you when we're doing code reviews one of the things we always ask ourselves is you know how how would a bad guy take advantage of this? Um, right. So I can see why that's a policy in Microsoft. I don't know if I didn't work for a company the size of Microsoft. I don't. I don't know that I would actually recommend that as the the policy for every team at every point in the life cycle. You know what I mean? I, I quite like right. checking in frequently still. So yeah, it's interesting. But I, I, I you know, when I talk to people about checking policies, mm-hmm. um. Quite often, I'm talk- when I go in and talk to customers about checking policies, I'm often talking to, say, the source control manager, you know, right. um, or some manager somewhere. And they, they see all this like, oh, fantastic, you know, Ugh. how do I write a custom checking policy to do X, Y, Z? And I'm like, no, 
<laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, Indeed. you know, the, I, I thought the check-in policies when when TFS when first off TFS was kind of cool. You know, you write code to you know help monitor your code, but that is can be so easily abused. And again, that becomes a barrier to check in. You, you really don't want your developers to have a lot of barriers to get in. And every one that you have should have some you know, solid rationale for your industry or your business your, or, or you know, something behind it. Um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And yeah, you know, every ta- every you're introducing a tax for every single check-in, which is going to reduce it's going to reduce the number of check-ins you get, which yep. means that you're going to have more integration problems. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, do you want to pay that? Co- is it worth paying that cost for reducing the number of check-ins? But yeah, yeah I'd be interested to hear from the listeners actually if they want to uh, email us on radiotfs at gmail dot com and let us know. Um, you know what sort of enforcement they do, and what what ways they do to encourage good behavior in a team. The the thing I so Jeff Atwood did a blog post recently. I don't have it handy about um, social engineering for the antisocial. You know that's what Stack Overflow <laughs> yeah. is for him. Uh-huh. And um, that that to me is one of the reasons why I love TFS and why I joined you know Microsoft to work on Team Foundation Server was mm-hmm. because we it really is a big way of socially engineering developers to work and get better you know um, and be better at software development and for our industry as a macroeconomic thing to be to be get better you know that's 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 what that's what gets me up every morning is thinking that we're making <laughs> the industry you know better as a, as software developers we're getting more professional i think so right. um anyway yeah so I, I thought that was a good post and but i'd love to hear from people um you know what kind of enforcements do they have where do they see enforcements getting abused that would be uh that would be good things to talk about because there are definitely some you provide we provide an awful lot of power in Team Foundation Server, and there are definitely some anti patterns that I've seen out there in terms of uh, slowing people down. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. You know, if our readers, for our listeners, for some horror stories as well. You know, do you is there anybody out there who has fifty seven check in policies and it takes them three days to check in code, or you know? Yeah. Anyway, we should probably get wrapped up. We're running out of time here. So, um, anything else you want to add, Greg? Any calls to action? This is the this is the last show of the year, by the way, everybody. Yeah, I would say you know everybody have a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and and use the, any holiday time you have to. There's a lot of free stuff to play with, a lot of new shiny stuff to to check out and to uh, you know let us know what you find. Cool. And uh, if you go to the website, radiotfs.com, you'll find the you know contact addresses. And we've even got a phone number you can call and leave us a voicemail if you'd like to. So uh, great. Well, um, we'll wrap up the show. Uh, so, yeah, get well soon, Paul. And uh, we'll see you in 2012 for the next show of Radio TFS. Radio TFS.